0: Fualcha, 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 Akharja Gil, and for the first time in quite a while, welcome to the Rebel Matters podcast. My name is Anlo Carlan, and I am your host for the day. And it has been four, maybe even five months since the last episode of the Rebel Matters podcast. I feel like I'm in the confessional box right now. But the main reason for the break in episodes is that I was living and working in the Ida refugee camp in Bethlehem in the West Bank working on the Ackley Palestine project. I just got back a few weeks ago and I'm just getting things back on track now after that trip. If you've been following along with the Ackley Palestine project then you'll be aware of some of the stuff that we've been up to over the last number of months. But if you haven't heard of it or haven't been following along with it you can find the latest updates over on Instagram at Ackley underscore Palestine. Ackley Palestine is a community gym based in the Lati Centre in the Edy Refugee Camp in the West Bank that we founded in February of 2020 just before the pandemic started and then there was a two year gap. Where we couldn't go over to Palestine because of the COVID travel restrictions, so it was great to get back out there. I want to do a bit of an extended episode specifically on the trip and the progress on the project, but uh, today's episode is a bit related to the actually Palestine project in a way because it is with Echlas Alaza who lives in the Alaza or Betjibrin camp, which is just around the corner from the Aida camp and Echlas was my Arabic teacher while I was in Palestine. I was going over to see her on Tuesdays and Thursdays in her house where we were doing Arabic lessons and on the week before I left we recorded this little podcast and Echlas has got an amazing story to tell and I think you're really going to like this episode. Before I tell you, you a little bit more about this episode and Echlas and the chat that we recorded in her house in the al refugee camp. I have a couple of Ackley Palestine related updates that you might be interested in. First of all, we're running a fundraising gig in the Workman's Club on Saturday the 2nd of July. That gig is being organised by our good friend mori and it's going to feature Rebel Phoenix, Strange Boy, Hazy Hayes and also Kneecap. The gig is probably going to be sold out by the time you hear this but you might find a couple of tickets. You can find uh, information about the gig on the Hip Hop for Palestine Instagram page and also on the Ackley underscore Palestine. Instagram page. For anyone interested in going to visit Palestine, the Laji Centre's International Summer Camp is on this year for the first time in a couple of years. It's the 20th International Summer Camp and it hasn't happened the last couple of years because of the pandemic, but it's kicking off on the 1st of August this year and the deadline to apply for a place on the summer camp is the 1st of July. You can find more information about the summer camp and how to apply for it on the Laji Center's website, Lagi.org. Org. I actually did the summer camp myself in 2018 and that's where the idea for Ackley Palestine came about. But it's an amazing opportunity to learn more about Palestine, Palestinian culture, the political situ- situation out there, meet other people and organisations all around the West Bank and also to make a positive contribution to the amazing work that's going on at the Ledzi Centre. So it's well worth checking out. We also launched a volunteer programme for Ackley Palestine for teachers and coaches in the sort of movement orientated field the strength and conditioning coaches, circus, dance martial arts, yoga, pilates and any of the related fields and if you're interested in visiting Palestine and being a volunteer in Ackley Palestine for a week or two or even more then you can find more information about that on the Ackley website which is ackley.ie or you can just drop us a private message on the Ackley Palestine Instagram page as I was saying earlier it's ackley underscore palestine I also want to say a massive thank you to all of the supporters and especially the patrons of the show who have been very patient and waiting for the next run of episodes coming out. The Rebel Matters podcast is totally supported and funded by the patrons and uh, I'm really looking forward to putting out the next run of episodes over the coming weeks and months. But guruked Mili Magavakarja for your patience while I was off doing the work in Palestine and getting ready to launch this next run of episodes. I'm also really looking forward to making an extended episode about the trip to Palestine but I was keen to get the show back on the road so the fastest way to do that was to get stuck into doing a bit of editing on the chat with Ikhlas, record this episode, put the podcast together and stick it out there. It's been so long since I did a podcast that I'm having to remind myself how to use the software and equipment to get the episodes out there but we're finally getting there and I uh, think you're going to like this one. I was saying earlier, class was my Arabic teacher while I was over in Palestine. I was going over to see her twice a week. She lives in the nearby al camp, which is the smallest of the refugee camps in the West Bank. It's home to about 1,500 people or so. It's only a five or ten minute walk from the... Aida camp and its official name is the Beit Jibreen camp because most of the original inhabitants of the camp came from the Beit Jibreen village and many of the people who lived in the camp originally were from the Elaza family which is why it's now called the Elaza camp. In this chat Echlas talks about what it's like growing up with a disability in Palestine, how she learned English and German and her experience of getting knocked down by a settler in a hit and run and having to spend time in a hospital in the 48 lands, the lands that were seized by Israel in 1948. She also shares some of her sort of life philosophy about living with a disability and the volunteer program that she runs for people who are interested in staying with her to help her in the house and also to take part in a kind of a cultural exchange. Going over to see Echlas twice a week was really one of the big highlights of my trip overall and if you're interested in finding out a bit more about Ikhlas's, um volunteer programme then you can find her at Ikhlas Alaza on Facebook and on Instagram and you can also drop her an email to Echlas 2010 at yahoo.com. Anyway, I'm absolutely buzzing to be back on the airwaves and sharing the Rebel Matters podcast episodes with you. So let's get this one going and we'll see how it goes. Oh, one more thing. There is a bit of a racket going on during the recording here of the chat with Eklas. We recorded the chat in Eklas's home and there was some kind of building work going on outside the house during the recording and you'll also hear some kids playing and At one point it sounds like there's some kids actually inside the house. They're outside the house playing football and stuff on the street. Under ordinary circumstances I might have tried to do the recording at a different time but it's just the nature of Palestinian refugee camps that people are living in very close proximity to each other and you can pretty much hear what's going on in the houses around you and on the street even when you're inside in your own house. So if you're wondering what all the racket is, that's what it's from. Anyway, Carjigil, let's get stuck into this chat with Echlas Elaza Puinsalt.
1: I'm al Gaza. Grown up in al camp. al Gaza camp—it's in the kind of middle of Bethlehem, and it's the smallest Palestinian refugee camp from all Palestinians all over the world. And this camp's established on the end of '60, and. Uh, so they come from Bejibreen village, mostly living in it, Al Azza family. Not really anymore, but yeah. So, how come that's called Al Azza camp, not Bejibreen camp? Well, officially called Bejibreen camp, but because it's men, most of people who's uh, coming into this camp in the beginning, it, it was Al-Azza family, because they were, like, a huge family on the village, which was Bechebrine. I'm living all my life in here, living with disability. I'm having muscles atrophy, and I live all my life in a wheelchair. So I don't know what it means to walk. I never dream about it. <laughs> uh... I also had, like, double disability, also I got uh, a car accident by a settler in, uh, 95. And that's happening, like, kind of half a year before PA entering Bethlehem. So, usually used to be, like, the settlers passing through, uh, settlements from Hebron to Bethlehem to go to Jerusalem and then I got the accident which wasn't by accident like it's not the meaning of accident was the kind of I don't know minted? (laughs) Were you in a car? No I wasn't in a car I was in the wheelchair but she drove over me and she ran into the checkpoint like she ran away and that is why I said I don't know if it's means or not.
0: So you were in the wheelchair and she hit you and then Right. And they flight
1: on. into the other side of the street. Mm. She didn't stop? No. She didn't stop. She continued like all the street was to stop. You know this street um or the traffic light where is Bank of Palestine? Exactly, where is Bank of Palestine? Now was not in that channel? Exactly there I had an accident. And I flight into the other side of the street. And me and the wheelchair, we were separated. (laughs) And she continued toward, where is the wall now, to the checkpoint. And all the street stopped except her, of course. But there were like another two cars follow her from the line of driving, they follow her and they cross in front of her near the checkpoint, but then the soldiers was shooting towards them because it's Arab, Arab number cars, they are stopping in an Israeli car, and they were shouting to tell them that you have to see what she do, and she's run away. <laughs> then the soldiers entering here, into the area. Of course, I was like with, I don't know, like there were so many ambulance around picking one to first hospital here in Bejala. But then it was like big things happening, like fighting between soldiers and people being part of blocked in Aida because I have family there and people there blocked totally all al the action wasn't easy. Was so horrible. <laughs> I'm laughing about it now because it's long ago. But everyone have seen me, and I heard from people while I was in the floor, bloody. And I hear someone was like, "She died. She died." And I, someone else like. Coming close to me in the floor, and she said, "No, no, no!" She didn't die because I was looking at her, and I said, uh, "Tell them I don't die, but I was—I mean, I haven't lost any. Um, like I don't go away of my, in my head. Like you I were don't. Yeah, yeah. Until until the soldiers take me with the ambulance to." The other side of Palestine, which is occupied, and in Jerusalem, where is the Israeli hospital? And they took me there, but they didn't allow any of my family to come. Actually, my sister, which is she died now, my mother, a third mother. She has the UNARWA card, because she used to work in UNARWA as a nurse. So this is the only one they let her in. And we arrived to the hospital after I explained what I have of the disability. I was like, already then I I don't feel nothing. I was awake. Until I get into surgery, which is taking nine hours until they fix back. My leg was out of my body, my shoulder, a lot of like a big accident, really. So, yeah, but then, uh, yeah, after the surgery, my sister back home didn't let her, and I stay at that. Hospitals nine months, and it was our decision as a family that we sign up a paper that we want to go back home, otherwise I should stay longer but i I couldn't live there, I had a lot of things I don't know if if it's like this is like a longer story. And there were also I learned more what means occupation and Israel. Because just to say small things like I am refugees. I grown up seeing how they arrested father, brother, cousin, how they been attacked many times when I was a child, like our house. How they even doesn't care if I'm someone in a wheelchair or not. They just, once I remember that they move the mattress, which is for the bed, flip it down, and I was on it, like, flipped me in the floor.
0: You were still on the mattress when I flipped
1: it? Yeah. How, how old were you? How old? I was maybe, like, eight years old or something. And, yeah, so I, I, I saw a lot of this. Like, see how they fight with my mother, they fight with my sisters, uh, not only arresting brother or arresting father, but this is, was all in my head. But when I had this accident, but I was 19, <laughs> and that was also in after first intifada, which is also, uh, long story it could be if I talk about what's happening in that time but um, yeah so in in the hospital when I start to awake and having physiotherapy and so on I thought maybe I had to see those people in another looking like another vision I know them within a um, uniform army. I thought the friend should be, I wanna see them how they are when they are human. But I don't know if I have to say sorry or not. It wasn't the same, it was the same, maybe even worse. While I was in the hospital, it's happening two times bombing in Jerusalem, and you can see how they treat Arab in the hospital. I mean, nurses, which should be nurses, like, it's not our fault, and how they treat us. Second thing is that people, which is Israelis living in wheelchair. Some of them have the same as I have. And they were, like, so racist. And in the beginning, they had, like, always, they want to talk to me because they want to learn English with me.
0: So were you teaching en- English to people? So I basketball? was, like,
1: they want to talk to me as much as possible because they, they wanted to learn more English oh, with me. They to practice. To practice. Yeah. And I didn't know, like, okay, fine. But then... Suddenly, once it was like my mom got permit, and that was nine months after the accident. And imagine you don't see your mom like nine months, or you're alone between these strange people. And she come, of course she wear the Palestinian dress, <coughs> totally Palestinian, <laughs> and then uh, like, I was like so exciting with my eyes and my face and like, okay, going to her. But then when they saw me with this woman for them, like the next day they were talking in Hebrew with someone else in the in the hospital, like in Palestinian as well, but it's from the other side living. And they were telling him that, that I lied to them. And I, the, he was like, like, why, why should I tell you? And they were like, yeah, we thought she's a foreigner and she has a accident in Israel. That's why they were getting close to me. And why you think this, because they saw a lot of... Um, German used to visit me. There was a German organization in Bejala, and uh, I know them, like, have physiotherapy usually there. So they used to come as long as my family doesn't have permit and be able to come to me. So they used to come whenever they have time to visit me, bring me something from the family, or, yeah, come back and tell my mother what's happening, uh, how I am, and so on. And that's why I have a lot of foreign uh, visitors in the hospital. Of course, there, if I want to speak, I will speak in, in English, because I'm not, I don't learn Hebrew to speak. I was, when I was there, I learned it. I understand it. Something else happening to say, like, those people, really, I cannot live with them. That's I had, a, like, uh, they put me every day a while on a machine for my leg to massage it. And, and uh, the Israeli nurse, a guy, he put my leg and he was talking something with me and I answered in English. And he was super angry. Like, you understand, why don't you answer me in my language? I said, I don't like it. And that was a big punish for me at the end. Because never I, I ring the bell when I'm needing help in the room and I someone comes to help me. When there was an uh, German and one French and one Holland, I remember. Those was living there working, I don't know. If those people are there and you can hear them Reception speaker, like English girl calling, who wants to go to her? So, those are three, if they are on the shaft, one of them is supposed to come to me. The other, Israeli nurses, no one wants to. Do. Mm. So, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know, like, so they are all for me, same as in the army.
0: How did you learn English first?
1: How? Uh, well, many things was the reason. <laughs> I grown up, as I said, with muscles atrophy, of course, since I'm child going to different places for therapy or so on here in Palestine, most of physiotherapies organizations, such like that it's um funding by European and I do many years um therapy and organization when I was a child um which is Swiss French I am the youngest in between my siblings I'm the youngest, like, all my brother's sister are older. So many of them, they, of course, they go to school. Uh, many of them practicing, like, English with me. <laughs> or, like, they teach me. Like, you know, when there is a the child in the family, everyone wants to teach this child something, you know. Uh, yeah, it's happened, like, few of them like used to speak with me a little English like not fluent but yeah somehow uh, also on this places where I go to make physiotherapy or uh, well, like foreigners was making yeah, therapy for me then by the time talking with them I was like I can't say everyone was Surprising in a way, like five degrees I was making sentence already. When you were five? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, that go on and on. Then I also haven't been school at all. Like I never got, like the only school I went to, it was in Germany, uh... In 2013, 2015, I go to school to make a German course. This is the only school I have been ever in my life, like as a student. <laughs> I learned here at home. Uh, when I was a child, Like my father was so ex- um, exciting, wanted to put me in the school go all over, around, was no schools, adapted for witcher But then uh, the last one was telling him, I think you have to put her in a place for people like her, a special place. And my father was so angry, and he told the manager that, like, I think you need a special place, not her. So, since they're on, like, um, they make me school at home, my family. And, yeah, of course, I'm learning with everyone, who all of them going school and uh, also make uh, students. From Bethlehem University was one of my brothers has a connect it to them and they make like their um, have like a final uh, practice <laughs> so that makes me like small school <laughs> every day English I learn it by myself also to write and read it by myself even to learn a computer I, buy, I do it by myself Like, I learned it by myself. Of course, I have all the time people around me, if I need any question. I uh, had the first computer in 2010, and that comes after I got some money for selling a painting calendar. I do calendar every year and I sell some, so this money I bought computer because then it's my own, and then I practice on it how to deal with computer. I used to write with long pen, (laughs) like it's very long, and it's okay, and maybe we'll write an email in two hours, doesn't matter, but then at the end I lame. Yeah, something like
0: this. Do you do your paintings with your hand?
1: Or? Before the accident, yes. After the accident, I slightly after the physiotherapy and so on. Like if the position, I don't know how to explain this now, like so close to my hand, mm. then I can at least make the shape of the picture. But mainly I draw with my mouth. Mm. And painting, then I scan the, the drawing, and then I put it in the laptop, then I paint it in the laptop at the moment. But before, like, also I paint in my mouth, I paint, uh, I draw it with my mouth and, like, I, uh, make, uh, kind of, break a bit with the hand, which is, was broken in the, by the accident, to practice more, and, a bit with my mouth, and if I feel like both it's tiring now, then I just go to shop and scan it. And, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and uh, what point did you think that you might like to be a teacher?
1: Ah, uh, I was like, uh, okay, in, before the accident, I tried to like, um, uh, I thought about. Having a volunteer at home to live with me, and of course the family wasn't like only me in the house, no, it's only me, but it was like still my some of my brothers, my uh, mother, so we were like, okay, uh trying with before the accident, maybe one year." <sighs> Uh, it comes a girl from Germany who wants to make her final practice for physiotherapy. And she wants to have like a short time volunteering. So my physiotherapy in that time was also German and she knows her. So she told her about me to live with us. And that was also strange. It was like, okay, it's nice to to try it because... In that time wasn't really you can't see foreigner in an organization. But you cannot see them between people or living in the houses in a refugee camp. This is a big experience was for her and for me. So yeah and we were like the same age. <laughs> so we had really long together until now we are in touch. Every week we talk or something. Uh, yeah, so we try like this. She also felt very comfy. She said, I don't imagine that I'll manage with living in a refugee camp with Arab family, Muslim, and to be like in that comfy. So this is why my first trying then it go on to try living with volunteers but then one Catalan uh, that was I think after my first trip to Europe I came and then one Catalan came to live with me and she used to go to have Arabic lessons somewhere else I you don't know like Jerusalem or Bejala. and when she has her homework, I'm always teaching her and trying to help her and she was like, Ikhlas, I think I understand with you things like more than the teacher, like why didn't you teach foreigner like, this they come a lot of them, also to the camps, and I was a bit scared, like, okay I, I don't study, I don't I don't know how to be a teacher, but you know you you will do it. It doesn't need to be studied. Like so, she I think she is the reason pushed me to to start. Was a friend of her was coming for working with man agency. Have you heard about them? Here, Palestinian agency news, and this one was coming to be a one year le, um, working in this agency news. And she told me, you will go into to teach It's Catalan. How I can explain things even in English. So it ended after one year, she learned with me English and Arabic. <laughs> this was my first uh, student. And it's funny, like, everyone knows me, like, Ladd is in there. From Badil. I teach a lot of foreigners. Uh... Ben was like also people coming in Bethsa who were like places and different all over around some foreigners they volunteer in Jerusalem old city so they read like of course with internet and stuff becomes more easy to post about Arabic lesson and so on then yeah so I got some students to come and that's how come that I'm teaching, and now I'm teaching since eighteen years. Eighteen and, years. Yeah.
0: Everyone who asks me where I'm learning Arabic, they always know you when I tell them.
1: Yeah. Coming down here. Yeah. So it's also then uh, with volunteer. Um, it's, it's twenty-eight years. Like I experience all a different culture if you want to call it of European for me. Maybe it's not too different, but yeah, it's different Uh, American uh, I met Canadian uh, Who else living in this house Uh, from? uh, New Zealand from Singapore, even one, and once was from uh, Mexico. So many different nationality have been mm. here
0: with Most me. Time, are you teaching them Arabic while they're here as well?
1: So when they live with me, at the exchange, the the idea of volunteering is something also um, for me is very important because in this way. Like, I wish I could hold a a stone and throw it to the soldiers But to do something for Palestine But in this case, in this way, I feel like I'm doing something really And I also, like sometimes I had some strange girls which they ask Like we we met on Skype or uh, to separate time before they come to explain them about the situation, about the life in the house and what they're supposed to do with me. So some of them did what means camp? And what's me like one of them she asked me how far I will be away of terrorist. I was like, excuse me. Like what you what you hear in your media, terrorist. It means me. That's basically you will live with terrorists. And please don't say this because or something like how how dangerous is. Okay, you cannot say dangerous. You cannot I would not also say to you it's very safe. Palestine. It's completely different. You cannot explain about Palestine. Yet it's nice that people are coming and go to see it, to say what you have seen here, what kind of people are here, but you will not imagine what is it from stories unless you are here. I make like the exchange. The exchange like this. I teach them Arabic for free, which is my, my job now, like to have uh, teaching Arabic, it's, this is good support for me, I got some money, I can live, me and volunteer. Uh, they didn't supposed to uh, pay anything here, of course their ticket coming and going, and of course when they are free one day, a week, uh, something, of course all this and they're expensive, but when they live with me, nothing like they have nothing for food, for staying, for Arabic lesson. This is the exchange. Plus, that they they also help me in this way. That's a plus, that they learn a lot. And to live with me, of course, it's something not easy to explain it in papers. Also, so many people like they look at yeah, twenty four hours. Well, it's too much. A lot like ah, uh, living with someone in a wheelchair. I don't know how is this person in the wheelchair, right? I understand this, but but uh, so that to live twenty four hours doesn't mean that you are twenty four hours working. Twenty four hours, maybe we are smoking and sitting, drinking coffee, talking, talking about Palestine, talking about the culture, talking about and uh, making a food like the. Len, uh, uh, how to cook Palestinian food. And uh, yeah, they learn a lot about culture. And that's linking like, like, uh, politics, culture, Arabic language, all connected together for me. Like, yeah, and uh, been a lot of success
0: with this. Is it an important thing for you that it's an exchange rather than people coming just to help?
1: Yeah, because I I I really happy to to do something for my country. Yeah, because I as I said, like there is so many girls when they come here, they know nothing about Palestine, and here they learn a lot. I mean, they also been in, connected with many different. Uh, places which is like if you go to organization of course you will do all whatsoever this organization are supposed to do and you will be belong to the organization plus the people in the organization and you're not that much free into others you know what I mean like okay uh, send the volunteer to See what's you mean Be- the camp and Ladry center, but then also go to Beth Howard see what's happening there with uh, someone I know for example i make like i organize for them also a uh, places to go and to to learn from it like in their free time and that's doesn't like to see like different type of um Opinion of places, you know Like, yes, of course, we're all Palestinian But still, like, everyone working in different way he wants And, I mean, someone asked me if I like it That's when they go to visit the Israeli areas You know, I don't care Like, I know a lot of girls who was in Jerusalem And they land in there Because they have an Israeli uh, visa, uh, like, uh, to stay in Israel, and they were, like, afraid to come to Bethlehem or to come to other area, because they told them, then you will lose your visa, or you will um, uh, be in danger, yeah, You're, this is danger area, I don't care, I'm not gonna... I don't say, like, yes, I will be happy, but if volunteer one day told me, I want to go to visit the settlement, I will tell her, go ahead. No, seriously, go ahead, because she will see here, she's living in a refugee camp, there, where she will see the different. Then, it's better for me, as Palestinian, to show, like, I'm not supposed to tell foreigners, ah, yeah, don't talk to them, don't do this, I can't tell you stories. But... You have to learn, and you have to see what what's means what they talk about terrorists in Europe.
0: What's it like uh, living with a disability and also having to get around in a wheelchair in Palestine?
1: Well, disability, for me, it's the last thing to... Listen, of course, I'm also a person. I'm not always happy and uh, laughing and make joke. Maybe this a humor, funny thing that's Palestinian, actually. And, but it's I'm also a person who fell down in a way. Like, maybe I, I showed up that I'm so strong. And a lot of people say this. Yes, okay, I'm strong. I know myself. But it's still like, I also get weak sometimes. I feel weak inside, like and why I cannot go there, why I cannot uh, climbing climbing a, a nice place, it's up in the stairs, or like, why, why, why? But if I think a bit deeper with myself, I see that, actually, I do a lot of things, which is not easy to do it. And I think many people in a wheelchair, would love to do a half of what I do uh, and they are feeling uh, they feel like it's too much to ask someone to do it for them or to help them to do it. I, I rode a horse. I've been sitting on a horse and that was a dream for me when I was a child. But uh, As long as I was in Barcelona and I See the possibility that I can sit a horse which is uh usually they do a treating these horses for people in a wheelchair. I was like okay I have I want to do it because this is a dream of me. Like I want to do it and I do it. Some places really so far up and so difficult if you walk by yourself to reach it, like the stairs, or like all the stairs. It's happening, I do it, yeah. This kind of things I'm talking, yes, maybe it's like if you think about it, you will say what she's talking about. Like, but no, for people who are sitting in a wheelchair, they always will be like, I don't know if it will be too heavy for the people to carry me up or not. I don't know if I really will feel safe or not. I don't know, like... Yeah, but if I always think in that way, I'm not going to ever try. I'm not going to ever feel that I was alive. So I'm already there. Uh, Like, who wants or who doesn't want, I'm already there with my disability. And I just use whatever can be possible. Then how I will wo- go over the street? Yeah, you know I said once something. <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit philosophy. Like I said, I don't need the street to to be easy. Like my wheelchair is adapt to the street, not the street adapt to my like. No, it's the opposite. Like the we the the streets should adapt on my wheelchair, not opposite like the street maybe has to use to my wheelchair and give me a comfy street is horrible everywhere in, in in West Bank I mean in general in uh, in the city uh, especially like to live in a refugee camp with the corners and some holes uh, and I mean things like a speed bump, bump but it's not speed bump, but it's like there's so many of them stacking, but then just go over it. So yeah and I learned where to go and I learn what is easier. I had my own places now of course I try all over. Uh, but I have my own places uh, to go to buy clothes, to go to buy things. I know uh, now. I know all my uh, places, which is I can reach it easily without feel any feeling of uncomfy or something. Mm. Plus, that's I probably have a special. Way of growing up. Go back to the subject that I was the youngest. Also, I, I don't know. Like, I got so much support when I was a child from the family. Like, mental support. Like, I wasn't uh, someone who's like, uh, no, you cannot, no. Uh, you set it home because you have a disability. No, you, and let us to do it for you. Like, it, I don't have this kind of pool, you know? Just go to the street, a play, do whatever. Someone tell me something, I just ask about it. Like, no, I don't listen to them. It's just mm-hmm. stupid. Like those, there's two words in Palestine or in all Arabic, like said, haram, you know, this word, and aib, aib means shame. <coughs> and then haram and aib, this is when I was a child, it's not like other children I see now, but it wasn't allowed to say it. No haram and no aib, just do whatever you want. Yeah, and talk. They push me a lot to talk. Just say, tell him that you don't like. Just say that you like. Like I used to just say whatever I'm thinking right now, you know, and that really helps a lot to make me in that character or this position. Yeah, and I get, I'm close in a way to the family. Same time, I'm a close with, with, uh, like mentally and so on. But okay, I'm not a close in, in body because I, colors, I, I have my own character, my own way of life. So that's how come I decide to be alone in this house with volunteer. Yeah, it's different.
0: If you could change one or two things for people who have disabilities or people who are using wheelchairs in Palestine, what would they be?
1: Change to get out of the mode of I cannot. To get out of the mode of uh, why only me? Yeah, it's not actually you you are the one. There are a lot, you know. This is like it's it drive me crazy when I meet a lot of people with wheelchair, and they are totally like if if it, this disability they have, it's with me. <laughs> I think I will be super happy, cause they do work with them hands, and they they didn't need like to. To ask anyone to help them with anything, and they are still like not satisfied with it. Plus that they have more possibility to go to school and go to university, uh, like someone I know, she doesn't want to work, like what, you just study, study in, uh, in Bethlehem University, uh, I mean, like, she has a good family also. I don't understand why you don't want to work. It's like she doesn't want to go with a taxi, uh, and uh, to be, like, everyone looking when she gets in and out of... I, I cannot, uh, like, I cannot imagine this myself, like, I mean, for some time when my leg, it's like really so much pain after the accident, I need maybe four people to be, one inside the car, one outside the car, one for the leg and one for the head to be able to get in. I mean, it's not easy at all. It's so tiring for me and for them, yeah? But still, if I want to go, I have to go and I have to do. Actually... To be disabled on a wheelchair in Palestine, I found it so respect than in Europe.
0: That people respect you more than they do when you're in Europe?
1: Well, with me, it doesn't work to unrespect, because... I just say right away, like, why are you looking like this? Why, like, I do this a lot also in the past when I go to school in Germany. Like, some people or like, smiling to me like I am a poor person. And like, some people are yeah.
0: sort of looking at
1: you with pity or something like that? Yeah, and I was, like, look at them the same way. Uh, or make some action in my face. They're, like, kind of... Shocked, what's going on? And uh, like, I don't know, but here it's different. It's different, really. Of course, there is like some people walking around, like, yeah, Inshallah, God will bless you and uh, and make you healthy. I I cannot handle. It. I cannot handle it. I just turn around and and if not, so what? And, <laughs> yeah, something like, can be happened, but not that much. But why? Because I think, also this has belong to the first Intifada issue, that a lot of people have uh, been in the wheelchair since Intifada. Ooh, you can maybe say, like, each house having someone in a the wheelchair. Then people start to see this more normal.
0: Injuries that people sustain because of the occupation?
1: Right. <sighs> yani, I think this is one of the reasons. Yeah. But, like, if you go... I mean, for for me, it was, like, first time in Germany, like... Yes, it's so cool, they have, like, the street for wheelchair, buses, train, everything, easy, right. But this is, I think, it's not enough. It's not if I, enough because how they're looking for people in wheelchair. It's killing them more than you make them go to the street or... <laughs> make them easy places to enter.
0: So, like, are you saying that the way that treating people the right way is better, yeah. more beneficial than having the right sort of physical infrastructure?
1: Yeah, also, I experienced with the people in which uh, once they make a lecture in Barcelona, someone was coming to a lecture, and she was telling how. How much she's really hating the way how they treated her, people in the street, like how they look at her. Not treating her as supposed to be like, a uh, spit and uh, say something bad, but it's like, the looking It's enough, you know? To no, know you are poor, you are like this. Mm.
0: When my dad started using a wheelchair, he said that uh, someone came up to him before and kissed him on the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> he was
1: going down the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, this is really hard. I mean, I get over it. For me, it's, I get over it. Or I try to take it easy. Like, I understand it's not everyone, it's, um, like, ready to, to treat someone in a wheelchair just normal. <laughs> Yes, also the people in the wheelchair need to help these people to respect them. You know, when I was in Jordan, I had, like, still my leg doesn't go down into the wheelchair support, the leg, because I supposed to have it in braces, like, straight, I have no knee after the accident, so straight... (laughs) And someone was in his car, was looking like so strange when I passed and he was smoking and said, don't worry, it's normal, like, just passed him, like, be like, so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't worry, it's normal, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like some people looking at me in the street so strangely and I just, like, ever and you never see someone in a I'm not coming from the sky. Hello, like making a lot of fun of it, me, but I don't know if ever someone is also making this kind of job just to make it easy for himself, that would help a lot, but yeah, what about people who cannot make it easy, but also a person in which himself like has to make it easy for himself like has to. <sighs> I know like I mean it a lot of people with wheelchair and I also been living with thirty-five guys who've been shot by the ex Israelis in Ramallah. Two months living with them. I learned a lot in that time because that's give you so much push stronger when you feel like you help many of them to accept wheelchair it's not easy for them like jumping playing football doing a lot of stuff and suddenly they are in a wheelchair it's not easy for them mm-hmm. then when you're grown up and your wheelchair it's your your daily life I mean, my wheelchair, I call it my freedom, because it's, yeah, I mean, if I am not in the wheelchair, who knows, like, I would be like any other Arabic uh, woman, like, uh, maybe now I will be with eight kids, right? <laughs> well, no, maybe not, but it's still, like, you can't imagine this. If I'm an Arabic girl, maybe I will just okay study and be do this and that, but then married, and maybe I will not get this experience going to Europe, doing stuff, coming back, be in touch with someone who is not with disability, and someone with disability, and someone uh, like from not from the country, and someone from the country like everything. That's why it's my wheelchair, It's my freedom.
0: Do you like your life?
1: In a way, yes. Just what to break me up only if I feel like, uh, and that's what's happened on Corona, like no volunteer, and of course keep on teaching online. And if I don't teach online, that will really break me totally. <laughs> And I try sometimes to just be away and say, like, I don't want, that. I cannot. Maybe this is what I learned since I was a child. Like, you cannot give up. And maybe this is also belong to Palestinian blood. <laughs> I would love sometimes to give up, but I cannot. <laughs> Well, I'm satisfied with my life, not meaning of liking my life, but I'm satisfied with my life. Like, I don't want more than to go on with these two projects and feel like I'm doing something, I'm teaching people not from this culture, this life, about Palestine so I feel like I'm doing something for my country and at the same time I'm doing something for myself.